Welcome to Beyond Our Focus. I'm Stefan, this is Amanda, and this is Let's Palaver About the Wastelands, the third novel in the Stephen King six, seven book thing, The Dark Tower. Eight. Seven, technically. Eight. Seven, technically. Seven and a side story, okay? You don't even need the side story. I don't care. I need the side story. Seven complete novels. To make up one story. And some unimportant side story about things no one cares about. Get out of here. <laughs> we'll be going over some point as well. No, I apparently we're not. He's not allowed to read it. We add Charlie the Choo Choo Train. I think we can have that. You're no longer a rat. You are no longer allowed to read that book. We are in, I believe, chapter five... Called Bridge and City. We're kind of in part three of what I think is chapter five. You think five of the chapters. Bridge and City. Which apparently I can't do. Yeah, it's five. The, the big well, yeah, yeah. Bridge and City. We're in the third part, for us anyway. So, section 19. Yeah, 19. Page number 312. If you're reading this if particular you got a version. Big book. Yeah, otherwise. If we got a little book, it's probably somewhere different. Yeah. But but so, 19, he says. Yeah, so, section 19. Section 19. No matter what, it'll be section 19. Let's see, for the first time in, I think, this book, I actually have a written notes. I know it's hard. It's. Whew. Or not written, I guess. I wonder what they're what type. Are, I wonder what they're called. Like these what? actually little things. You know, it'd be, it would be something good to look up one day. I, I just am curious. Like with all the reading I've done in my life, you'd think I'd know. But. No, I mean we know we, we have chapters and book and I mean this is a book within a book. <laughs> or chapter within a book in, within a book. Yeah, there's like two two books, three books in there. Yeah, book. I mean section is all I've got. Honestly, yeah. Anyway, I'll look it up one day. Night team. One of you guys. Let us know. Do our research for us. <laughs> <laughs> Kit Kat, you have a job now. <laughs> research all the things we don't know. Hmm. And apparently can't be bothered to look up ourselves. Hey, I did research beforehand. A little bit there, a little bit there. Last minute, but it was there. Okay. So, we ended with Eddie and Susanna... Pretty much just finding a little city, central city thing with a bunch of corpses all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. That's what we did. And try to remember what I've read currently and what I read previously. <laughs> and they're kind of blending a little bit. So pretty much they just ended in a place where there's a bunch of corpses. They don't want to be there. So they're trying to push through as fast as possible. We have Roland who is with Oi. Hunting down Jake and Gasher. Yep. And then, of course, we have Jake and Gasher, who Gasher's just beating the daylights out of Jake every chance he gets. As they move down through tunnels and things. To and make... showing him all these different traps and stuff. Yes. So, 19 big picks us up back with Jake and Gasher. Jake's days was broken abruptly when Gasher grabbed him by the collar and yanked with all the force of a cruel riding breaker. 
no, writer, breaking a galloping horse. Lovely. He stuck one leg out at the same time, and Jake went crashing backwards over it. His head connected with the pavement, and for a moment, all the lights went out. Gasher, no humanitarian, brought him around quickly by seizing Jake's lower lip and yanking him upward. Yeah, my first note was just, what a jerk, pretty much. Except yeah. explicit. I mean, I mean, I mean, you grab that, I mean, that's the whole, like, mama grabbing you by, like, the ear or something. See, the ear is one thing. The lip? Oh, no, really? I mean, that's my point. It'll do the same thing. Just anything kind of fleshy you can grab at all. It's like, it, the, the ear, the ear is like, ow, 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 but literally Ooh. like a fish hooking somebody. You're just, what the hell's wrong with you? Just. Well, Gasher is an evil. Yeah. Evil, despicable little man. Ah, so, of course, Jake is pretty much pulled to his feet, and I don't know. Gaster's just finally getting tired. <laughs> After all his running th- down this maze, or through this maze area. Yes, so Gaster has stopped him because he wants to show him another one of his lovely little traps that he is set up for whoever dares to follow them. I.e. Roland. <laughs> yeah. Um. He wants to show him a marble fountain hanging above, which can be tripped by whatever these things are on the ground. Pretty much metal plates under cobble, like painted to look like cobblestones. Yes. Or just with cobblestones on them or some sort of thing. Well, they're, they're, they're shaping or somehow to make yeah. it look like that. For sure. Yes. Because they're, they're, not, they're, not, they're not particularly well hidden. <laughs> yeah. It says, Jake stepped over the first of the discolored stones and saw it wasn't really a cobblestone at all, but a metal plate which had been rounded to look like one. The second was just ahead of it, cunningly placed so that if an unaware intruder happened to miss the first one, he or she would almost certainly step on it the second. Go ahead and do it, then, he thought. Why not? The gunslinger's never going to find you in this maze, so go ahead and bring it down. It's got to be cleaner than what Gasher and his friends have got planned for you. Quicker, too. His dusty moccasin wavered in the air above the booby trap. Gasher hit him with a fist in the middle of the back, but not hard. Do we have company? We did have company. There's a package! And to end today's unboxing video, <laughs> we're going to... <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's a chat package. <laughs> Must be his model kits he was waiting for. Alright. Well, something I wanted to bring up was... Alright, no mistake. And Gasher mentions, where where's those... Uh, drums. They should have started by now. If Copperhead's forgotten them, I'll ram a stick so far up and... Yes. Implying, of course, that they control the drums. Yes. They're the ones making these drums go off all the time. And it's like, yeah, that's... If they've already kind of understood, because earlier we they heard... 
battles. Mm-hmm. Third battle. So, and it only seems to happen when the drums are going on. So it's like, he, some, now we know that these drums are being controlled by someone. Well, they say the, the TikTok man. Yeah, the TikTok man. TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. <laughs> but pretty much, so Jake's thinking about it, but Gasher pretty much says, go ahead. I'm already dead anyways. It's fine. And Gasher likes to throw yeah. that out there. Like, sure, go ahead and kill me. What do I care? His decision, Jake's foot came down beyond the trigger. His decision to live a little longer was not based on any hope that Roland would find him. It was just that, just that this was what Roland would do. Go on until someone made him stop. And then a few yards farther still, if he could. If he did it now, he could take Gasher with him. But Gasher alone wasn't sufficient. One look was enough to make it clear that he was telling the truth when he said he was dying already. If he went on, he might have a chance to take some of the Gasherman's friends, too. Maybe even the one he called the TikTok Man. If I'm going to ride what he calls the handsome, Jake thought, I'd just as soon go with plenty of company. Roland would have understood. I mean, I can completely agree yeah. with that. <laughs> sure, let's get down there. If I'm going to die, I'm going to bring as many as you people as possible. Yay. Even this TikTok man. Yes. Especially the TikTok man. Well, at this point, especially yeah, Gasher. Yeah, especially Gasher. But <laughs> He's the real still, the horrible TikTok. person we know of at the moment. We, we don't know much about the TikTok man. Other than Gasher's bringing him to said yeah. TikTok man. He's the one who controls the TikTok app. Remember that. I don't know much about it. I, I just know what to think. That's all oh I know. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> Jake was wrong in his assessment of the gunslinger's ability to follow their path through the maze. Jake's pack was only the most obvious bit of the sign they left behind them, but Roland quickly realized he did not have to pause to look for signs. He only had to follow Oi. Oi. Yeah, good old Oi. I mean, Oi, it's very... Uh, I mean, he's the best hound dog you're going to get. <laughs> and you clearly can tell that Oi is a lot more intelligent than just... You see, he has more personality than just a normal Billy Bumbler. Like, he literally, if Roland stops for anything, he's like, Excuse me. <laughs> We go that way. Oh, he seems to be quite intelligent. <laughs> and we get a lot of that here in the next few pages about good old Oi. Yes. Um. Hurry up. Do you want to lose him after Sunday? So I'll check. Roland simply followed Oi. Did I give up looking for signs? But he quit making stops to hunt for them. Then the drum started up. And it was the drums plus Gasher's noisiness about what Jake might be carrying that saved Roland's life that afternoon. He skidded to a halt in his dusty boots, and his guns was in his hand before he realized what the sound was. When he did realize, he dropped the revolver back into his holster with an impatient grunt. He was about to go on again when his eyes happened first on Jake's pack, and then on a pair of things gleaming streaks in mid-air just to the left of, of it. Roland narrowed his eyes and made two thin 
made out two thin wires, which crisscrossed at knee level, not three feet in front of him. Oi, who was built low to the ground, had scurried neatly through the inverted V formed by the wires. Boy, boy, you about <laughs> kill everybody. And Roland was pretty much just gonna just walk through it, and then the drums pretty much startled him, and he's like, "Oh, then there's Jake's pack. Oh, and now there's a booby trap. And there's so. a booby trap. Maybe let's not hit that. Yeah. So, and, and of course, like he, he stops, and always looking back at him, like. Come on, buddy. I didn't, didn't say it was time to lollygag back here. <laughs> Roland dropped to his belly and crawled beneath the wires, moving slowly and carefully. He was bigger than either Jake or Gasher, and he realized a really big man wouldn't be able to get under here at all. The drums pumped and thumped in his ears. I wonder if they've all gone mad, he thought. If I had to listen to that every day, I think I would have. Yeah, the drums seem a bit insane. Yes. So, okay. Oh, no, I'll say they're, no. they're, they're, they're doing what they're supposed to do. Yes. So he pretty much grabs the pack, examines it, looks inside it to make sure that all of Jake's stuff was still in there, which it was. And he kind of just, it makes him think because he's like, he finds things, a few other things, which only a boy not yet in his teens could really love and understand. Things he would want back again. If that was, Roland got him before Gasher and his friends could change him. Heard him in ways that would cause him to lose interest in the innocent pursuits and curiosities of pre-adolescent boyhood. Gasher's grinning face swam into Roland's mind like the face of a demon. Oh, I forgot how to say that word. Genie? I guess it would just be genie, wouldn't it? <laughs> From a bottle. The snaggle teeth, the vacant eyes, the mandrus crawling over the cheeks and spreading beneath the stubbly lines of the jaws. If you hurt him, he thought, and then forced his mind away, because that line of thought was a blind ally. Alley. Oops. Blind ally. <laughs> yes! If Gasher hurt the boy, Jake, his mind insisted fiercely, not just the boy, but Jake. Jake. Roland would kill him. Yes. But the act would mean nothing, for Gasher was a dead man already. Always going on about how Gasher's already a dead man. <laughs> we'll all be happy when Gasher's dead, okay? Pretty much. Whether he's dead man or not, we'll all be happy when he... So, uh, Roland decides to extend the pack strap so that he could put the backpack on. And he's very amused that he's very amused that he's... Whew, this, this is so easy! <laughs> Yeah, modern wonders. And now he decides that maybe, based off this whole booby trap incident, he should probably keep Oi a little bit closer. Yeah, just just in just in case. Like, to me, Oi. Yeah, which he wasn't sure if Oi would even listen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next time, Oi might not be so lucky. Ache. Oi barked, not moving. The bark was assertive, but Roland thought he saw more of the truth about how Oi felt in his eyes. They were dark with fear. Yes, but it's dangerous, Roland said. To me, Oi. Ache, ache, ache. He wants ache. He wants ache. Yes, Jake. He began to run again, and Oi ran beside him, healing as neatly as any dog Roland had ever seen. And we are back to Eddie and Susanna. 
Oh yeah, we we this is one of the things about the hang of hair. Freddy, it was as some wise old, wise man had once said, "Deja vu all over again." He was running with the wheelchair, racing time. The beach had been replaced by streets of the turtle, but somehow everything else was the same. Yep, I wouldn't compare the two, but <laughs> about to counter some things that maybe not so much you would have found the, the beach. Abstracities. Not fun, but <laughs> in some ways easier to deal with. Probably. So yes, they're they're moving pretty quickly along this area, trying to just get out, trying to figure out where they need to be at. And then they suddenly start hearing babbling. They hear crowds and cheering, and it's kind of weirding them out. <laughs> Let's see. When the drums suddenly cut out, the echoes rolled away into a new silence. Except it wasn't really silent at all. Eddie realized up ahead the arched entrance to a marble building stood at the intersection of a street of a turtle and another avenue. This building had been overgrown by vines and some straggling green stuff that looked like cypress beard. But it was still magnificent and somehow dignified. Beyond it and around the corner, a crowd was babbling excitedly. Don't stop, Susanna snapped. We haven't got the uh, time to... A hysterical shriek drilled through the babble. It was accompanied by yells of approval and incredibly the sort of applause Eddie had heard in Atlantic City Hotel Casinos after some lounge act had finished doing its thing. The shriek was choked. Then gargle. Oh yeah, the shriek uh, was choked into a long, dying gargle that sounded like a buzz of a. Kikita. Sure. Eddie felt the hair in his... nape of his neck coming to attention. He glanced at the corpses hanging around the nearest speaker poles and understood that the fun-loving pubes of blood were holding another public execution. Yay! So much fun. Oh, the public executions, what a blast. Best event of the year. Or month or Seems week, actually, be... the day. Yeah, the day is... best event of the day. Uh, <laughs> the best event of every day, it seems. Uh... Marvelous, he thought. Now, if they only had Tony Orlando Don to sing, not three times, they could all die happy. Ah, oh, good old Eddie. I know that song. I didn't realize that was that song, but now that you sung the piece, I don't. It could. I, that, that's what I assume it was, unless there's a darker song I don't know about. But that's the first Again, one that I came like that to song. my mind. <laughs> Eddie looked curiously at the stone pile in the corner. This close the vines, which overgrew it, had a powerful herbal smell. The smell was eye-wateringly bitter, but he still liked it better than the cinnamon sweet odor of the mummified corpses. Yeah, yeah, I mean, smelling not smelling corpses is probably a good thing. And here's where things go south. <laughs> a figure suddenly barreled out through one of the waterfalls and hurried towards them. It was a kid, Eddie realized, 
and not that many years out of diapers, judging by its size. He was wearing a weird little Lord... Fauntleroy. Outfit, sure. Um, complete with a ruffled white shirt and velveteen short pants. There were ribbons in his hair, and he felt a sudden mad urge to wave his hands above his head and scream, But we'd say, Lud is ot- What? <laughs> Lud is okay. This is from the fancy I book? I, I mean, don't know. Is, is this from the, the film or whatever? I've never seen it. I, apparently, it is a 1936 film, but I have never seen it, so... Apparently he has. Apparently he can he can quote it. <laughs> I don't know much about it, but he apparently he did. Come on, the kid cried in a high piping voice. Several sprays of the green stuff had gotten caught in his hair. He brushed absently at these with his left hand as he ran. They're gonna do spankers. It's the spanker man's turn to go to the land mm. of the drums. Come on, or you'll miss the whole fake mint gods, cuss it. Susanna was equally stunned by the child's appearance, but as he got closer, it struck her that there was something extremely odd and awkward about the way he was brushing at the crumbles and strands of greenery. He kept using just the one hand. His other had been behind his back when he ran out through the weedy waterfall, and there it remained. How awkward that must be, she thought. Then a tape player turned on her mind, and she heard Roland speaking at the end of the bridge. I knew something like this could happen. If we'd seen the fellow earlier, while we were still beyond the range of his exploding egg. Damn the luck. She leveled Roland's gun at the child, who had leaped from the curb and was running straight for them. Hold it, she screamed. Stand still, you. Suze, what are you doing? Eddie yelled. Susan ignored him. In a very real sense, Susanna Dean was no longer even here. It was Detta Walker in the chair now, and her eyes were glittering with feverish suspicion. Stop, or I'll shoot. Good old little Lord... Whatever, how you pronounce that? Fauntleroy. Fauntleroy? Fauntleroy. You don't see much for me, I can't do it. Might have been deaf for all the effect her warning had. Hossett. He shouted jubilantly. Jubilantly? Jubilantly? Jubilantly, yeah. Sure, there's another fun word. Jubilantly. You're going to miss the whole show. Spanker's going to... His right hand finally began to come out from behind his back, as it did, Eddie realized. They weren't looking at a kid, but a mishappened dwarf whose childhood was many years past. The expression Eddie had at first taken for childish... Glee was actually a chilly mixture of hate and rage. The dwarf cheeks and brow were... <laughs> well, the wind really picked up. Um, it's going to blow the whole house down. Holy crap. I need to go check on the chair that's outside. I mean... All kinds of excitement today. We got a package for y'all to see, and now it sounded like a tornado touchdown somewhere. I don't even know. Don't mind the chair. Don't mind the chair. Don't mind the chair. 
All right. Now, where were we? Because I'm not real sure. Oh, all the way over here. Wind. Lots and lots of wind. Jeez. Uh, Susanna never saw his face. Her attention was fixed on the emerging right hand and the dull green sphere it held. That was all she needed to see. Roland's gun crashed. The dwarf was hammered backwards. A shrill cry of pain and rage arose from his tiny mouth as he landed on the sidewalk. The grenade bounced out of his hand and rolled back into the same arch through which it had emerged. Goodbye, little dwarf. <laughs> Goodbye. To which Susanna immediately snaps out of it and is like, Oh my goodness. I just shot him. Eddie, I shot him. Well, I don't think you had a lot of choice. And I think everyone's real happy you actually did that. Yeah. Hmm. Sidewalk surprise. Dead was gone, but the dream was just a smoking gun. It's a tiny sprawled figure on sidewalk was a surprise. Horror and dismay. Oh my Jesus, I shot him, Eddie. Grays die. Little Lord. You can Font. say it. I believe in you. I believe in you. Font Leroy. There you go. That's good. You did it. I don't think that was what it's <laughs> supposed to be, but tried to scream these words definitely, but they came out as a babbling choke. As in a babbling choke of blood that drenched the few remaining white patches on its frilly shirt. Uh, there was a muffled explosion from inside the overgrown plaza of the corner building, and the shaggy carpeted green stuff hanging in front of the archway blew it backward. What else do we have here? So, pretty much, the grenade went off, Eddie shields Susanna from it, and little Pontal Roy's head is just rolling into a gutter. <laughs> Uh, goodbye, little dwarf. Yeah. Goodbye. So then, suddenly, they just... Everybody in the town just starts pouring out of this entrance towards them. And Eddie's just like... We interrupted their necktie party, and they're pissed as hell about it. Oh, they are. They really are. A tangle of shouts. Kill the greys. Kill them both. They've done for luster. God, kill their eyes arose from this charming group as they caught sight of Susanna in her wheelchair and Eddie, who was now crouched on one knee before it. Yay. Yeah, angry crowd. That's that's always a good thing. Fire and pitchforks. Pretty much. To which, noticing they're not going to stop, it's time to kick into gear. Yeah. They, of course, they decide to uh, charge the two. Just really charge it with weapons. Uh, well, makeshift weapons. <laughs> yeah, they have, like, knives, hammers, spears. Yeah. 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 Well, Roland's, g Roland's gun pounded its bright thunder into the windy, overcast day, and the top of the kilt-wearing pube's head lifted off. Well, goodbye, kilt-wearing dude. Uh, let's see. The Sally skin up. Sally, huh? No. Nope. Sallow. Sallow? That makes more sense. Skin of the woman who had almost been decapitated earlier. Definitely uh, had his blood all over her. 
So pretty much, Susanna's like, I need backup, Eddie. What are you doing? Yep. And he has some issues. Yeah, the good old Ruger is stuck in his waistband. Yes. Of all things. It is stuck in his waistband. It appears to be stuck in his underwear. Yeah. Like, the sight apparently got stuck in his underwear. So he's having to just rip open his pants to try to pull the Ruger out. Yeah. Mm. Susanna fired three closely spaced shots. Each found the target, but the incoming pubes didn't slow. Eddie, help me! <laughs> Eddie tore his pants open. <laughs> I mean, you gotta get out somehow. Feeling like some cut-rate version of Superman. Oh, good job, Superman. Watch out! <laughs> Again, you gotta do what you gotta do. They need the gun. Susanna can't do it on her own. Eddie, it's up here. It's up here. What are you doing, man? Uh, there was no need to think. No need to even aim. Roland had told them that in battle, a gunslinger's hands worked on their own. And Eddie now discovered it was true. It would have been hard for a blind man to miss at this range anyway. Susanna had cut the numbers of the charging pubes to no more than 15. Eddie went through the remaining like a storm wind in a wheat field, dropping four in less than two seconds. Yeah, I mean, at some point, you have to be thinking, oh my, what's everyone drops around you? It's probably time to go. You're probably not going to win this battle. If you can't get close enough to hit him with your your makeshift weapons, you, you can't win. The man with the hammer abruptly tossed his weapon aside and ran for it, limping extravagantly on a pair of arthritis-twisted legs. He was followed by two others. The rest of them milled uncertainly in the street. To which someone else was like, We can still do this! <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, this this guy, yeah, he shouldn't have. To Eddie, he looked like Ronald McDonald. To both of them, he looked like Treble. He threw a homemade spear that might have started life as a steel table leg. It clattered harmlessly into the street next to Eddie and Susanna. Come on, I say. We can get him if we all stick to... Sorry, guy, Eddie murmured and shot him in the chest. Well... <laughs> You did throw something at us. Clarabelle, Ronald, staggered backward, one hand going to a shirt. Buddy, yeah, you, you were you were causing some trouble. And um when we were going down, I was like, Eddie, just shooting. <laughs> just and then he does. I'm like, oh. Well, good job, Eddie. Because if if anybody was gonna continue with trouble, it was like Oh yeah. The few remaining pubes stared at him mutely as he slipped to his knees, and one of them turned to run. Not at all, Eddie said. Stay put, my friend, or you're going to get a good look at the clearing where your path ends. He raised his voice. Drop em, boys and girls, all of em. Now. You, the dying man whispered, you gunslinger? That's right, Eddie said. His eyes surveyed the remaining of pubes grimly. Cry your pardon, the man with the frizzy hair was gasped, and then he fell forward onto his face. Gunslingers? One of the others asked. His tone was one of dawning horror and realization. Well, you're stupid, but you ain't deaf, Susanna said, and that's something anyway. She waggled the barrel of the gun, which Eddie was quite sure was empty. For that matter, how many rounds could be left in the Ruger? He realized he didn't have any idea how many rounds the clip held and cursed himself for a fool. But had he really believed it could come to something like this? He didn't think so. 
You heard him, folks. Drop him. Recess is over. One by one, they complied. The woman who was wearing a pint... Okay, wearing a pint or so of Mr. Sword and Kilt's blood on her face said, You shouldn't have killed Winston, missus. Twas his birthday, so it was. Well, I guess he should have stayed home and eaten some more birthday cake, Eddie said. Given the overall quality of this experience, he didn't find either the woman's comment or his own response at all. Surreal. You shouldn't have killed him. It was his birthday. <laughs> Maybe he shouldn't have charged people with guns. <laughs> shouldn't have killed him. It was his birthday. How was I to know it was his birthday? To which another lady pretty much tries to go up to the dead guy. And he's like, stand where you are. Officer Friendly says, play it safe. Stand where you are. Er, uh, Suze, you alright? He asked in a lower voice. Yes. You're not going to faint or anything, are you? Because, no. She looked at him with eyes so dark they were like caves. It's just that I never shot anyone before, Okay. Well, you better get used to it, rose to his lips. He bit it back and returned his gaze to the five people who remained before them. Forever the best. Just, 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 just maybe. Just maybe. So, yeah, we, we pretty much had a, what, what would you call that, a tall experience? <laughs> yeah, we kind of killed most everyone. Eddie wants to know who's in charge. They're like, well, it was this guy. It was that guy. It was this person. Um, it was good old Winston there. I guess Winston would have come next. But you did uh, did for him with your god-rotten guns. So you did. She wiped blood deliberately from her cheek, looking at it, and then returned her sullen glance to Eddie. Well, what do you think Winston was trying to do to me with his god-rotten spear? Eddie asked. He was disgusted to find the woman had actually made him feel guilty for what he had done. Trim my sideburns? Well, that's the thing, is that these people have a way, even though they know they're in... Maybe they don't know where they're in the wrong, but they don't want to be in the wrong, and so... But the thing is, is that we learned very something... We learned something special about this group of people. It's that... Uh, he asked who was in charge, and they said Spanker was, but when the god drum started up this time, it was Spanker's stone which come out of the hat, and we set him to dance. So now you realize, ooh, okay, so there's a voting method going on here. <laughs> there's, uh, so, as we travel back down, uh, Susanna had ceased listening. Her mind had fixed with horrified fascination on something the woman had said earlier. It was Spanker's stone what came out of the hat, and we set him to dance. She remembered reading Shirley Jackson's story, The Lottery, in college, and understood that these people, the degenerate descendants of the original pubes, were living Jackson's nightmare. No wonder they weren't capable of any strong emotion when they knew they would have to partici participate in such a drawing, not once a year as in the story, but two or three times each day. So yeah, the lottery was pretty much the same thing, is that every year names would be drawn or a black mark would be drawn. And if you got that black mark by the end of the entire three-step process, you were put into the middle of the place and stoned to death. 
and like kids and stuff would get like as the everyone was being prepared for the drawing of these names kids would be collecting stones all laughing and joking and i mean everybody loves a good human sacrifice yeah (laughs) why she asked the bloody woman in a harsh horrified voice why do you do it the woman looked at Susanna as if she was the world's biggest fool why so the ghosts what live in the machines won't take over the bodies of those who have died here pubes and greys alike and send them up through the holes in the streets to eat us any fool knows that. Any fool. Any fool all knows that. Fool right here. Right here. If I we didn't. don't sacrifice people, the ghosts will come up and make the living dead eat us all. Sure. Sure, that, that that's totally going to work. Okay. Sure. We're just going to go with that. Uh, there are no such thing as ghosts, Susanna said. It's like... What do you call the god drums is only a tape stuck in a machine. That's really all it is. Sudden inspiration struck her, and she added, Or maybe the greys are doing it on purpose. Did you ever think of that? They live in their other part of the city, don't they? And under it as well? They've always wanted you out. Maybe they've just hit on a really efficient way of getting you guys to do their work for them. Which we know to be... Very true. Yeah, we we know for a fact that Gasher and the TikTok man, and especially yep. the TikTok man, is the one controlling said drums. drums so and they're controlling said drums, and there's some weird lottery system about them killing off each other because of the gods of the drums, and yeah, yeah, people, y'all just y'all are really being real stupid. You are quite wrong, Madam Gunslinger. There are a great many machines under Lud, and there are ghosts in all of them, demonous spirits which bear only ill will to mortal men and women. These demon ghosts are very capable of raising the dead, and in Lud there are a great many dead to raise. Oh, that there is. Well, it's because you keep adding to the numbers. Yeah, I mean, you really added to the numbers, (laughs) apparently. Uh Railroad station? The guy who looked at Jeeves and Butler asked, What's a railroad station? Take us to the cradle, Susanna said. Take us to Blaine. This finally rattled Jeeves. An expression of shocked horror replaced the world-wearing contentment with which he had thus far treated them. You can't go there, he cried. The cradle is forbidden ground, and Blaine is the most dangerous of all Lud's ghosts. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, forbidden ground, Eddie thought? Great. If it's the truth, at least we'll be able to stop worrying about you guys. <laughs> it was also nice to hear that there was still a Blaine, or that these people thought there was, anyways. Edited for content. Yeah, let's take the people who... <laughs> sacrifice each other all day every day yeah there's totally things around here yeah so eddie's pretty much like you guys are taking us just you two and they're like just shoot us we would rather be shot to death pretty much (laughs) the woman said somberly but it is death to enter blaine's cradle mum so it is for blaine sleeps and he who disturbs his rest must pay the price I like, uh, let's see. I don't know what that means. She said, uh, uh, uh. come on, beautiful Eddie snapped. You can't smell the coffee with your head up your rear end. 
I don't know what that means, <laughs> she said in an odd, perplexing... Dignity? Perplexing. Mm-hmm. Sure. It means you can take us to the cradle and risk the wrath of Blaine, or you can stand on the ground here and experience the wrath of Eddie. I, I, still, I, think, I think they might want to experience the wrath of you, buddy. I don't think... They're really scared of Blaine. It doesn't have to be nice and clean headshot, you know. I can take you a piece at a time, and I'm feeling just mean enough to do it. Are you Eddie? I don't know if you could do that personally. I don't think you quite have that in you. He can definitely say. He can can talk. Talk a mean game there. Why would you go to Blaine in any case? One of the others asked. He stirs no more from his birth in the cradle. Not for years now. He has even stopped speaking in his many voices and laughing. Speaking in his many voices and laughing? And he thought. He looked at Susanna. She looked back and shrugged. Artis was the last to go nigh Blaine, the bloodstained woman said. Jeeves nodded somberly. I love how they just name people. Like, they give them a, they give them a description and suddenly that's their name. <laughs> Jeeves isn't the guy's name. It just reminds him of Jeeves the butler. Oh. <laughs> Jeeves nodded somberly. Artist always was a fool when he were in drink. Blaine asked him some questions. I heard it, but it made no sense to me. Something about the mother of ravens, I think. And when artist couldn't answer what was asked, Blaine slew him with blue fire. Electricity? Eddie asked. Jeeves and the bloodstained woman both nodded. Aye, the woman said. Electricity, so it were called in the old days, so it were. Mother of ravens or the three-eyed raven? You know what I mean? Huh? Huh? Somebody knows what I mean. Not me. You wouldn't know. You no, wouldn't, I wouldn't know. know. I would not know. The one person, Kit Kat, you know what's going on? Huh? Huh? You're the only one who I know is watching this. <laughs> so pretty much they decide, hey, just take us as far as you can to where we can at least see the cradle. Then you guys can go and we'll go and we never have to see each other again and it's fine. Yeah. It's the easiest way. Just, just show us where it's at. We just kind of want to know. Which... To which the woman kind of like leans down and kisses the dead guy on the forehead. Goodbye, Winston, she said. Wait for me where the trees clear and the water's sweet. I'll come to ye eye as sure as dawn makes shadows run west. I didn't want to kill him, Susanna said. I want you to know that. But I wanted to die even less. I, the face that turned towards Susanna, was stern and tearless. But if ye mean to enter Blaine's cradle, ye'll die anyway. And the chances are that ye'll die envying portal, Winston. He's cruel, is Blaine. The cruelest of all demons in this cruel, cruel place. Come on, Maud, Jeeves said and helped her up. Aye, let's finish with them. Gods, curse my eyes that they should ever have happened on you two in the first place. And gods, curse those guns ye carry as well, for they are always the springhead of our troubles. And with that attitude, Santa thought, your troubles are going to last at least a thousand years. I don't think they'll live long enough for a thousand years. They seem Probably to be doing not. pretty well killing each other off pretty good. And Unless somehow, by some 
miracle. They're making people as fast as they're killing them every day. No. I don't think so. <laughs> I still think so. No, probably not. Really awkward. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure what's the best place to go next here. <laughs> they're walking along. They're looking at all the. It looks more like a ritzy neighborhood, and everything has pillars. And the way they describe it, it kind of it, it. It's a ritzy neighborhood, but it looks like very Greek for some reason. Did they say Greek, or you're just imagining? Greek? Well, he said gladiator movie, so I'm just imagining like a Greek. Colosseum kind of looked to it. Both saw and marveled at the gorgeously sculpted bestiary. Bear, bear, beer. Yeah, beer and turtle. <laughs> bear and turtle, fish, fish and, and rat. rat. Horse, Horse and dog. dog. The uneasy sensation that they were being watched by many eyes filled equally with hate and wonder never left them. Thunder boomed as they came in sight of the monorail track. Like the storm, the track came sweeping in from the south, joined the street of the turtle, and ran straight on toward the cradle of blood. And as they neared it, ancient bodies began to twist and dance in the strengthening wind on either side of them. Well, we know the strengthening wind. Yeah, we... we See, it should have happened now. Like, when we were, as soon as we said that... Long command would be nice, um... I don't think quite have those powers, but it would be nice. Now we are back to Jake and Gasher. Mm-hmm. 22, Jake and Gasher. Mm. After they had run for God knew how long, all Jake knew for sure was that the drums had stopped again. Gasher once more yanked him to a stop. This time Jake managed to keep his feet. He had gotten his second win, Gasher, who would never see Eleven again, had not. No, no, I don't think Gasher is going to be seen a whole lot for much longer as we've heard about a thousand times. He's on his deathbed. Let's see, what else did I... Oh. Oh, I know what I want to read from here. I just don't know where it's at in here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you'll say it. Hmm. Uh, pretty much it's just... Jake's like... The guy's pretty much like... Whew, I'm like about ready to have a heart attack. And Jake's like, too bad. <laughs> and he goes on a rant saying that... Oh yeah, you. I bet you cry. If I left, you'd be left here. Blah, blah, blah. And Jake's just like... Jake listened to these incoherences impassively. He meant to see Jake... He meant to see Jake? Holy shit. He meant to see Gasher dead before the day was over. Gasher might take Jake with him, but Jake no longer cared about that. He dabbed blood from his freshly split lip and looked at it thoughtfully, wondering at how quickly the desire to do murder could invade and conquer the human heart. Pretty quick. Pretty quick. He invades my heart all the time, and I just have to hold it back. Hold it back. To which he points... 
to a sewer cover. So pretty much a manhole. Yeah, a manhole. <laughs> mm-hmm. And anybody who's seen any movie or has seen any of these in just real life knows that these things aren't easy. And this is an 11-year-old child. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so pretty much he tells Jake to go ahead and push the cover aside. Yeah. To which that doesn't happen. No. Good old Jake doesn't put all of his back into it. But he's like, it's too heavy for Jake began. And then the pirate seized him by the throat, yanked him upward until it's face to face. Then the long run through the alley had brought a thin, sweaty flesh to the cheeks. And then he turned and turned the sores eating into his flesh, an ugly yellow purple color. Those which were open excused. Cuted, thick, infected matter that threaded. Uh. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Listen to the. Listen, you stupid cull. And listen well. For this is your last warning. You yank that street head off right now, or I'll reach into your mouth and rip your living tongue right out of it. And you feel free to bite all you want while I do it. For that I have. For what I have that runs in my blood. And you'll see the first blossoms on your face by the end of the week. So yeah, bite my fingers, get the infection. So you, you're not going to bite me, and I'm going to rip your tongue out. If... He's like, do, do you see? And Jake's like, yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. <laughs> to which Jake suddenly finds the strength to... Uh, well, suddenly, almost... kind of, he almost breaks his back to do it. And then when he starts feeling that strain, just just pushes more. It's fine. He's like, he gets terrified at first thinking he can't actually move it. Good, Cully. Good. I mean, Asher cried cheerfully. What a little mule you are. Keep pulling. Don't give up now. Shank him. Just shank him. It would be for the best. We'd all be happy about that. Just Just shank him. Just push him down the hole. And then, so, he pretty much is like, okay, so you're going to go down first. So, mind you, don't lose your grip and tumble all the way to the bottom, for those rungs are fearsome, slick, and greasy. There's 20 or so, as I remember. And when you get to the bottom, stand stock still and wait for me. You might feel like running from your old pal, but do you think that would be a good idea? No, Jake said. I suppose not. We're intelligent, old son. Gasher's lips spread in a hideous smile, once more revealing his few surviving teeth. I love how they keep just putting it home that this dude is ugly as hell. Yeah, he's horribly disfigured, ugly, with sores, and just, he's just the. It's dark down there, and there are a thousand tunnels going every which away. Your old pal Gasher knows him like the back of his hand, so he does. But you'd be lost in no time. Then there's the rats. Weary big and weary hungry they are. So you just wait. I will. Gasher regarded him narrowly. You speak just like a little triggered, you do. But you're no pube. I'll set my watch and warrant to that. Where are you from, Squint? Jake said nothing. Bumbler, get your tongue. Mm, mm, mm. He doesn't really tell you where he's from. But he definitely lets you know that the TikTok man's going to get it out of you. Yeah, because 
TikTok man gets everything out of everybody. He lashed out his foot. This time Jake managed to tuck in and dodge the blow. He looked into the half-open manhole, stole the ladder, and started down. He was still chest-high to the alley when a tremendous stone-like crash hammered the air. It came from a mile or more away, but Jake knew what it was without having to be told. A cry of pure misery burst from his lips. A grim smile tucked at the corners of Gasher's mouth. Your hard-case friend trailed you a little better than you thought he would, didn't he? Uh, not better than I thought, though, Kelly, for I got a look in his eyes. Wary, pert, and cunning where he, w- they were, I thought he'd come after his juicy little night nudge. All right. A right smart. It's so hard reading Gasher. He speaks such broken English. He's also just gross as hell. But... Yes, yes, he is. He spied the tripwires, but the falcon got him. So that's all right. Get on, sweet cheeks. Yes, a good old Gasher. Under the impression that good old Roland has been squashed. He looked up, pleading, and saw no softening on that dying, infected face. Please, he said, and heard the word trying to break into a sob. He kept seeing Roland lying crushed beneath the huge fountain. What had Gasher said? If anyone wanted him, they would have to pick him up with a blotter. Beg if you want, dear heart, just don't expect no good to come of it. For mercy stops on this side of the bridge, so it does. Now go down, go down, or I'll kick your bleeding brains right out your bleeding ears. So Jake went down, and by the time he reached the standing water at the bottom, the urge to cry had passed. He waited, shoulders slumped and head down, for Gasher to descend and lead him to his fate. That just doesn't do justice to no, what we've been really, described. It really, really, doesn't. It just doesn't do nowhere near the justice that they describe. I mean, that dude's ugly, but this is, this is like, if... It's miles uglier. <laughs> miles more disfigured. Let's all remind you of the ugliness we're looking at. Yeah, yeah, and that just doesn't do it justice. <laughs> Roll had come close to tripping... The cross wires would held the avalanche of junk. But the dangling fountain was absurd. A trap which might have been set by a stupid child. Court had taught them to constantly check all visual quadrants as they moved to enemy territory. And that included above as well. As behind and below. Stop, he told Oi. Raised his voice and heard over the drums. Up, Oi agreed. And then looked ahead immediately and added, Ache! Yes, the gunslinger uh, took another look at the suspended marble fountain, then examined the street, looking for trigger. Forget the trigger. There were two, he saw. Perhaps their camouflage as cobblestones has once been effective, but that time was long past. Roland bent down, hand on his knees, and spoke into Oi's upturned face. Going to pick you up for a minute now. Don't fuss, Oi. Oi? We're going to make sure you don't step on things. But i got to pick you up to do that. Now, you're probably not going to like it a whole lot. But, to be safe, so we don't die right here. He carried him up the narrow passage and beneath the hanging fountain to blood, stepping carefully over the mock cobbles. 
Once they were safely past, he bent to let Oi go. As he did, the drum stopped. Ache! Oi said impatiently. Ache, ache! Yes, but there's a little piece of business to attend to first. Mm-hmm. So they carry on a little bit longer, and uh, as a side note, they hear he hears the gunshot from far away, meaning that Eddie and Susanna have made it to the station. Yes, like they're supposed to fire a shot every 30 minutes or something. I think so, something like that. So Roland decides that he's going to uh, trip the trap. Yeah. Roland turned and threw the piece of concrete. His aim was as true as it, as it had ever been when he had thrown when he had thrown at the ancient traffic signal in the river crossing. The missile struck one of the discolored triggers dead center, and one of the rusty cables snapped with a harsh twang. The marble fountain dropped, rolled over, rolled over as the other cable snubbed it for a moment longer, long enough so that if a man had, with fast reflexes could have cleared the drop zone anyway. Yeah, it's like this was a trap. Not a very good one, though. <laughs> Gasher was very proud of it, though. Yes, yes. Gasher was. He wondered if Jake had heard the fall of the fountain and what he had made of it. He ha- didn't waste such speculation like Gasher. Gasher would think he had been crushed to paste, which was exactly what Roland wanted him to think. Would Jake think the same thing? The boy should know better than to believe a gunslinger could be killed by such a simple device. But if Gasher had terrorized him enough, Jake might not be thinking clearly. Well, it was too late to worry about it now, and if he had to do it over again, he would do exactly the same thing. Dying or not, Gasher had displayed both courage and animal cunning. If he was off his guard now, the trick was worth it. Roland got to his feet. Oi, find Jake. Ache! Always ready. Always ready. (laughs) We are going to find Jake. I will lead you directly to him as quickly as I can. It's going to happen. Yes, yes. To which he finds the manhole cover, and he finds a pile of bloody disgustingness that Jake had spit out earlier from almost choking to death. And Roland's pissed. He's been hitting him. Of course he's been hitting him. It's Gasher. Come on. To which Roland just easily is just like, whoop, with the... Well, I mean, there's an 11-year-old boy and there's Roland. I think he can handle it. So not not only is Oi getting a leash, but um, I'm pretty sure he shoves him in his shirt. <laughs> to get down the ladder. <laughs> and at first Oi's like... <laughs> like, oh, God. I don't know nothing about this. What are, what are we doing here? Yeah, He's like, I'm not going to like it and you're going to like it less. But he was required to get down the ladder. Because we're not going to climb down the ladder very well. And Roland wants to be able to hold on to the ladders when they go down. So, not a lot of uh, options here. So, they reach the bottom and he pretty much realizes, my tracking's over. It's all up to you, Oi. I can't really track anything when it's just water. Like, there's nothing left for me. Well, that and it's like pitch black down yeah. there. So, it's super dark. He can't see. It's water. Not even positive Oi's going to be able to track him. Always very, always very persistent, but he knows where Jake is. Now it's all up to you, he murmured at the bumbler's ear. To ache, oi. To, oh, I said ache. <laughs> I'm so used to the bumbler. To Jake, oi. To Jake. Ache? 
The bumbler marked and splashed rapidly off into the darkness. That's right, Oi. To Jake. Come on. To ache. 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 To Oi. To ache. Get the Oi. Get the Oi. And now we are back to Susanna and Eddie. Like they're finally within view of the cradle. Uh, wow, Eddie said, it makes Grand Central look like a Greyhound station. <laughs> because this is a very elaborate place. It is bright white. Everything's clean. So clean. It's like dazzling. And they're like, where are we? Yeah, it hasn't been touched or graffitied or anything. Because people are terrified of the place. Has like waterfalls going down it, and yeah, like there's dust can't settle on it because it's literally water just going down the walls. And people won't go near it because yeah. it's the demon Blaine who will kill you if you <laughs> say the wrong thing. And of course, as they're walking, they're noticing totems and everything of all the different guardians, except they're seeing also these demented dragon-looking gargoyle things as well. And suddenly they reach the statue. That's right. A battered cowboy hat was shoved back to reveal this lined and careworn ba- uh, brow. A bandana, a bandana <laughs> hung askew on the upper chest, as if it had just been pulled down after several long, hard, dusty as dust muffle. In one upwritten fist, it held a revolver, and the other, what appeared to be an olive branch. Roland of Gilead stood atop the cradle of blood, dressed in a in gold. No, she thought, at last remembering to breathe again. It's not him. But in another way, it is. That man was a gunslinger. And the resemblance between him, who probably been dead for a thousand years or more, and Roland, is all the truth of Cotet you'll ever need to know. This giant golden statue that looks remarkably like Roland. Just in the middle. All these guardians and then you have the gunslinger. The gunslinger. To which Maud and Jeeves are like, no, we're done. We're done. We got you here. We're leaving. Which is the funniest thing ever. To which uh, Roland... And it's like, all right, you can be on your way. Like, no, you'll shoot us in the back. <laughs> like, really? Really? Maud shook her head. The blood on her face had dried to a grotesque maroon stippling. There never were a back-shooting gunslinger. That much, I will say. We only have their word for it. That That's what they are. Word for it, that that's what they are. Maud pointed to the big revolver with the worn sandalwood grip which Susanna held in her hand. Jeeves looked, and after a moment he stretched out his hand to the woman. When Maud took it, Susanna's image of them as dangerous killers collapsed. They looked more like Hansel and Gretel than Bonnie and Clyde, tired, frightened, confused, and lost so long in the woods that they had grown old there. Her hate and fear of them departed, but replaced it with pity and a deep, aching sadness. Fare you well, both of you, she said softly. Walk as you will, and with no fear of harm from me or my man here. Maud nodded. 
I believe you mean us no harm, and I forgive you for shooting Winston. But listen to me, and listen well. Stay out of the cradle. Whatever reasons you think you have for going in, they're not good enough. To enter Blaine's cradle is death. We don't have any choice, Eddie said, and thunder banged overhead again as if in agreement. Now let me tell you something. I don't know what's underneath, Lud, and what isn't, but I do know those drums you're so whacked out about are part of a recording, a song, that was made in the world my wife and I came from. He looked at their uncomprehending faces and raised his arms in, a fr in frustration. Jesus pumpkin pie, don't you get it? You're killing each other over a piece of music that was never even released as a single. <laughs> Susanna put her hand on his shoulder and murmured his name. He ignored her for a moment, his eyes flicking from Jeeves to Maud and then back to Jeeves again. You want to see monsters? Take a good look at each other then. And when you get back to whatever fun house it is you call home, take a good look at your friends and relatives. You don't understand, Maud said. Her eyes were dark and somber. But you will, I. You will. Go on now, Susanna said quietly. Talk between us is no good. The words only drop dead. Just go your way and try to remember the faces of your fathers, for I think you lost sight of those faces long ago. I think so as well. <laughs> I wish Eddie's pretty much just like, let me out of here. I am done. Just let me out of here. These people are crazy. <laughs> Oops. Good old Susanna and Eddie are having a moment. Yes. A long moment. <laughs> well, the, before we reach that moment, though, they, of course, are looking into each other's eyes, but he says, he kisses her, and she's like, well, what was that for? And he's like, about how I'm in love with you, he said, and I guess that's about all. Is it enough? Her eyes softened. For a moment, she thought about telling him the secret she might or might not be keeping, but of course the time and place were wrong. She could no more tell him she might be pregnant now than she could pause to read the words written on the sculpted portal totems. Yeah, that's a thing, too. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. Mm-hmm. We've known. Mm-hmm. But she's getting closer to telling. Yeah, huh? I remember Roland already knows. I think he has he has his role in suspicion. <laughs> Which are always right. So But it's pretty much just a discussion between him and her and about how she thanks him. She pretty much is <clears throat> saying that he is the reason she was set free because she had Dedawalker who was nasty. And mean and awful and whatever. And then she had... Oda. I almost forgot her name. Who was just kind of snobby and pretentious. And so she was freed when she became Susanna. Which in the end it was, uh, was, was, was Roland's fault. Not it is, but <laughs> however you want to put it. I like Susanna Dean better than either one. And you were the one who set me free. And for a brief moment, I really thought they were going to do it right here. <laughs> I think they really considered it. Well, yeah. 
But pretty much they, they went on their way, and, and although neither of them knew it, the first of the great autumn storms of Midworld had arrived. Now we're back to good old Gasher and oh Jake. Nope. Uh, once they were in the smelly darkness of the sewer, Gasher slowed the killing pace he'd maintained above ground. Uh, pace he maintained above ground. Jake didn't think it was because of the darkness. Gasher seemed to know every twist and turn of the route he was following, just as advertised. Jake believed it was because his captor was satisfied that Roland had been squashed to jelly by the deadfall trap. Oh, there we go. No wonder. I knew I skipped something. Uh, Smell of darkness. Gasher slowed his killing pace. I don't know if I said slowed. I thought you did. Yeah, maybe not. I didn't hear myself say slow. Let's go with that. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, they're they're a little slower now. Gasher's, he's satisfied. There's dark. It's dark and he thinks Roland's dead. So he doesn't think he has to worry about anything. Of course. When, When you feel like you're no longer being chased, you start to ease up a bit. Yeah, but little does he know, Roland's already in the sewer after him. And to which Jake starts to wonder himself. He's starting to have doubts. He's like, you know, Roland's too good. There's no way a trap like that could have gotten him. Like, Jake supposed it was, it's, was it really likely that he had missed seeing the fountain? Jake supposed it was possible, but it didn't make much sense. Jake thought it more likely that Roland had tripped the fountain on purpose to lull Gasher and perhaps slow him down. He didn't believe Roland could follow them through the maze under the streets. The total darkness would defeat even the gunslinger's tracking abilities. But it cheered his heart to think that Roland might not have died in an attempt to keep his promise. Trust me, buddy. You, know, you just don't give Jake <laughs> enough, I mean, a Roland enough credit. Even though, yes, he couldn't track you on here. But you don't realize he's got a secret weapon. Uh, Gesher guided him with taps to the shoulder as the Wagoneer might have guided his oxen. They moved at a good clip trotting, but not running. Gasher got enough of his breath back to first hum and then begin singing in a low, surprisingly tuneful tenor voice. And what a song it is. Of course it is. What a just beautiful, beautiful song Gasher has here. Was it? Ribble, tee, tibble, tee, ting, ting, ting. I'll get a job and buy your a ring. When I get my mitts on your jiggly tits. Ribble tee tibble, tee ting ting ting. Oh, ribble dee tibble, I just want her fiddle. Fiddle around with your ting ting ting. Of course, yeah. Of course. Of course. I mean, well, what else do we really expect here? To which six verses later, he's finally like, okay, you sing something now. And Jake's like, I don't, I don't know anything. To which, of course, he brutally gets hit again. Why, why, why not just do exactly what Gasher wants you to do? You just enjoy being hit at this point. You know something, Jake. Jake thought hard, not wanting to earn another love tap from Gasher, and came up with a song he learned in summer day camp at the age of seven or eight. He opened his mouth and began to bawl it into the darkness, listening to the echoes bounce back amid the sounds of running water, falling water, and ancient thudding machinery. My girl's a corker. She's a New Yorker. I buy her everything to keep her in style. She's got a pair of hips just like two battleships. Oh boy, that's how my money goes. My girl's a dilly. She comes from Philly. I buy her everything to keep her in style. She's got a pair of eyes just like two pizza pies. 
Oh boy, that's how... To which abruptly stopped and yanked back because he's about to just dive into a hole. Which guy sure knows. <laughs> but then there's another ladder that we have to go down. Of course. <laughs> uh, that was nice. Uh, let's see here. Descending the ladder using his hurt hand as little as possible. This time... The rungs were clear of moss and oil and hardly rusted at all. The shaft was very long, and as Jake went down, hurrying to keep Gasher from stepping on his hand uh, with his thick-soiled boots, he found himself remembering a movie he'd once seen on TV, Journey to the Center of the Earth. Which is all too familiar recently. What is even going on? I'm finding this to be uh, starting to get (laughs) pattern-like. Our episodes of different things just keep colliding. <laughs> you really keep getting to each other. Everything's beyond our well, If you don't know about the journey to the center of the earth or the hollow earth theory, go check out some other videos that <laughs> coming out. Is it this week? It should be... No. Wait. Or No, they just came out. Yeah, not this week. They came out last yes. week according to this video. Yeah. So, last week's... <sighs> Unlocking the Beyond and Would you if Would you if Go check those out Very timely Very timely <laughs> oh, oh my goodness Yeah What do you know What do you know I don't know what that was about But <laughs> Okay Oh, Lordy, Lordy. As we uh, <laughs> adjust the teleprompter, apparently. <laughs> oh. So, we have Jake and Gasher still kind of running through. Jake's noticing that the machinery is getting louder around him. And that things are starting to look a bit cleaner. Like, it's starting to look like this area is a bit more well-maintained. And it's lit up by neon tubing. Was it purple neon tubing, I think? Um, rose-colored light. Oh, I thought it was purple. Misremembering. Oh. <laughs> uh, Gasher dropped down beside him. Uh, there, the, uh, see, cool in the summer, warm in the winter, and so much food that 500 men couldn't eat it in 500 years. And do you want to know the best part, Squint? The very best part of the whole koozie fakement? Jake shook his head. The pubes don't have the leadest idea this place even exists. They think there's monsters down here. Catch a pubie going within 20 feet of the sewer cap, unless he has to. So yes, just like Eddie and Susanna found out, these people think that the drums and the machines and everything is just voodoo. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) And they're like, we're not touching it, we're not going near it, we should obey it. Meanwhile, these guys over here are laughing. They're just laughing their asses off. They're like, yeah, we're 
killing these guys and we don't have to do anything. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> we're just, hey, we just played the god drums there and um, they just kind of do all the work for us. To which they reach a door. Door. A door. <laughs> if you want to call it a door. I guess it would be a uh, hatchway. Yeah. A hatchway. As they drew closer, he could see a big valve wheel sticking out of it. A communicator box was mounted to the wall just to the right. I'm blown out, Gasher gasped. And reached for the door at the end of the tunnel. Uh, Doings like this are too much for an inwilden like your old pal. So they are. Gosh, I can't reach you. Uh, let's see, he pushes the button and he's like, I got him, Tick Tuck. Got him as dandy as you please. Didn't even mess his hair up. You lying sack of... Didn't I tell you I would? Trust the gasher man, I said. For he's... Leads you straight... Oh, leads you straight and true. Now open up and let us in. He let go of the button and looked impatiently at the door. The... My phone. My phone's trying to dial us. Um, the valve wheel didn't turn. Instead, a flat, drawing voice came out of the intercom speaker. What's the password? Gasher frowned horribly, scratched his chin with that long, dirty nail, then lifted his eye patch and swat out more goo crap. Yeah. Tick-tock and his passwords, he said to Jake. He sounded worried as well as irritated. He's a trick cove, but that's taken it a deal too far if you ask me, so it is. He pushed the button and yelled, Come on, Tick-tock. If you don't recognize the sound of my voice, you need a hearing aid. Oh, I recognize it, the drawling voice returned to Jake. It sounded like Jerry Reed, who played Burt Reynolds' sidekick in Smokey and the Bandits. But I don't know who's with you, do I? Or have you forgotten? The cameras out there has been messed up. You give the password, Gasher, or you can run out there. To which he's like starting to freak out. He's getting sweaty, and then he takes off band his bandana, and lo and behold, he finds a paper he's been hiding up there. He peered at the scrap, turned turned it this way and that, and then held it out to Jake. He kept his voice pitched low, as if the TikTok man could hear him, even with the talk button on the intercom wasn't pressed. You're a proper proper little gentleman, ain't you? And this is the very first thing they teach gentlemen to do after he's done learn not to eat the paste and piss in the corners is read. So you read me this word on this paper, Cully, for it's going right out of my head, so it has. Good old Gasher. Has the password! Can't, can't read, read the password! Can't remember it? Can't read it. So Jake's like, and if I don't want to... <laughs> And he pretty much, uh, I will use your head as a door knocker. That's exactly what I will do. Jake considered this, the dark laughter still bubbling away inside him. The TikTok man was a trig enough cove, all right. He had known that it would be difficult to persuade Gasher, who was dying anyway, to speak the password even if Roland had taken him prisoner. What TikTok hadn't taken into account was Gasher's defective memory. <laughs> 
Don't laugh. If you do, he really will beat your brains out. In spite of his brave words, Gasher was watching Jake with real anxiety, and Jake realized a potentially powerful fact. Gasher might not be afraid of dying, but he was afraid of being humiliated. All right, Gasher, he said calmly. The word on this piece of paper is bountiful. Give me that. Gasher snatched the paper back, returned it to his scarf, and quickly wrapped the yellow cloth around his head again. Tick-tock, you still there? Where else would I be? The west end of the world? The drawling voice now sounded mildly amused. Gasher stuck his whitish tongue out as the, at the speaker, but his voice was ingratiating, almost servile. The password's bountiful, and a fine word it is, too. Now let me in, gods, cuss it. Of course. The TikTok man said, a machine started up somewhere nearby, making Jake jump. The bow wheel in the center of the door spun. When it stopped, Gasher seized it, yanked it outward, grabbed Jake's arm, and propelled him over the raised lip of the door and into the strangest room he had ever seen in his life. Which we will not get the description of this room in this part. No. <laughs> we won't find that out till the next part, which we'll get to next week. Uh, so we're uh, back to Roland, yes. descending into the dusk, dusky pink light. And of course, he still has. Well, he put. I think he put Oi back in his shirt because he had let him down. But I think he had put him back in his shirt. Oi's bright eyes peer from the open V of his shirt. But when, he had, when he had heard the sound of singing, first Gasher, then Jake, echoing back through the pipes, he had he would relax a little. Oi had not led them wrong. Oi had heard it too. Up until then, he had been moving slowly and cautiously, even backtracking every now and again to be sure of himself. But when he heard Jake's voice, he began to run, straining the rawhide leash. Roland was afraid he might call after Jake in his harsh voice, Ache! Ache! But he hadn't done so. And just as they reached the shaft which led to the lower levels of the Dacian maze. Dacian? Have we used that word yet? No. Dacian. I mean, it's capitalized and everything. Like Roland had heard the sound of some new machine, a pump of some sort, perhaps followed by the metallic echoing crash of a door being slammed shut. He reached the foot of the square tunnel and glanced briefly at the double line of lighted tubes which led off in either direction. Um... He took the leash off Oi. Uh, we're close, he murmured into the bumbler's co cocked ear. And so we have to be quiet. Do you understand, Oi? Very quiet. Quiet. <laughs> Oi replied in a hoarse whisper that would have been funny under, un under other circumstances. <laughs> Which, of course, you put the bumbler down and whoosh. <laughs> Still. <gasps> he apparently understood. He was actually Roland could hear him muttering, ache, 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 under his breath. Roland unholstered his gun and followed him. And if I'm right, that's the last time we'll see of them as well until the next one. But we still have nine pages of Eddie and Susanna. Dun, dun, dun. Which I think the vast majority of is pointless. Yes. It's pretty much... We get to them. They find it. They're like, aha. And then they shoot their 
shot letting <laughs> Roland know. Yeah. I can read, I think. We know I can't, so <laughs> me and Gasher have something in common. They notice that he finally points out the storm. And he's like, this isn't just a passing shower, is it? And she's like, no. It's going to rain until it gets tired of it. And then it's going to rain some more just for spite. Maybe a week, maybe a month. Not that it's going to matter to us if Blaine decides he doesn't like our looks and fire and fries us. I almost said fires. You're fired. Fire a shot to let Roland know we got here, sugar. And then we'll have us look around. See what we can see. Now a sign hanging on a thick chrome silver chain swung out of the shadows. North Central Positronics welcomes you to the Cradle of Lud. Southeast Travel, Blaine. Northeast Travel, Patricia. Now we know the name of the one that fell into the river, Eddie said. Patricia. They got their colors wrong, though. It's supposed to be pink for girls and blue for boys, not the other way around. Maybe they're both blue. They're not. Blaine's pink. How do you know that? Eddie looked confused. I don't know how, but I do. Because Jake knows. Because Jake knows. Which Jake doesn't know how he knows, he just dreamt of it. Yeah, so. But Blaine's pink. Make no doubts about that. Blaine is pink. Which they, of course, see these random faces just sticking out of the wall. Like sculptures of faces and stuff. They must have been the Supreme Court or something, Eddie said uneasily. Only judges can look so smart and so completely pissed off at the same time. You're talking to a guy who knows this isn't one of them who looks like he'd give a crippled crab a, a, crab a crutch. A heap of broken images where the sun beats and the dead tree gives no shelter. Susanna murmured, and at these words, Eddie felt goose flesh waltz across the skin of his arms and chest and legs. What's that, Suze? A poem by a man who must have seen Lud in his dreams, she said. Come on, Eddie. Forget them. Easier said than done. Well, it's like, you've been told multiple times that this place is dangerous. Don't go into the cradle. Blaine's gonna kill you. Blaine is a demon. And now you're walking through these places, there's faces sculpted into the walls, and you're just kind of like feel like I'm being watched from everywhere. <laughs> uh, ahead, a vast grilled barrier like a castle bar... Begin? Barbican? Like a castle barbican? <laughs> swam out of the gloom, and beyond it, they caught their first glimpse of Blaine the motto. It was pink, just as Eddie had said it would be. A delicate shade which matched the veins running through the marble pillars. Blaine's Blaine flowed above the wide loading platform. Flowed? Yeah. Okay. okay. I don't know why. Maybe but yes, floated that's maybe? I don't know. Flowed seems weird. Above the wide loading platform in a smooth streamlined bullet shape which looked more like flesh than metal. 
Its surface was broken only once by a triangle window equipped with a huge wiper. Eddie knew there would be another one, another triangular window, the other big wiper on the other side of the motto's nose, so that if you looked at Blaine head-on, it would look like he had a face, just like Charlie the Choo Choo. The the wipers would look like slyly drooping eyelids. I'm sure it would. I'm sure it would. Wow, his voice had fallen to a whisper. We found it. Yes, Blaine the Mono. Is it dead, do you think? It looks dead. It's not. Sleeping, maybe, but a long way from dead. That's a terrible picture of Blaine. Looks nothing like what I picture Blaine. I mean, kind of bullet-shaped, the wrong color, the win- that's definitely not the right window. No, not the right window, but I think that might be, it's, maybe it's transparent mode. That's possible. You're giving it too much credit, okay? It's wrong! <laughs> it's just wrong. You sure? Where Were you sure it would be pink? It wasn't a question he had to answer, and he didn't. The face she turned up to him was strained and badly frightened. It's sleeping, and you know what? I'm scared to wake it up. Well, we'll wait for the others then. She shook her head. I think we better try to be ready for when they get here, because I've got an idea that they're going to come on the run. Push me over to that box mounted on the bars. It looks like an intercom. See? He did, and pushed her slowly toward it. It was mounted on one side of a closed gate in the center of the barrier, which ran the length of the cradle. The vertical bars of the barrier were made of what looked like stainless steel. They hadn't gone in on that day in 1977. They had turned their backs on the haunted house and walked away, and he remembered vowing to himself he would never, never, ever go back to that place. It was a promise he'd kept, but here he was in another haunted house, and there was the haunter, right over there. Blaine the Mono, a long, low, pink shape with one window peering at him like the eye of a dangerous animal who is shamming sleep. He stirs no more from his birth in the cradle. He has even stopped speaking in his many voices and laughing. Artis was the last to go nigh Blaine, and when Artis couldn't answer what was asked, Blaine slew him with blue fire. If it speaks to me, I'll probably go crazy, had he thought. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, Eddie shredded suddenly and looked sharply around. We're being watched. I can feel it. I wouldn't be all surprised. Push me closer to the gate, Eddie. I want to get a better look at that box. Okay, but don't touch it. If it's electrified. If Blaine wants to cook us, he will, Susanna said. Look through the bars at Blaine's back. You know it. I do too. And because Eddie knew that was the only truth, he said nothing. The box looked like a combination intercom and burglar alarm. There was a speaker set into the top half that looked like a talk listen button next to it. Below were numbers arranged and a shape which made a diamond. I don't know if you could see that, but that's what it looks like. I mean, it's a diamond made of number the numbers 1 through 100. One at the top, 100 at the bottom. Quite interesting. Under the two, uh, under the diamond were two buttons, command and enter. 
What is this thing, do you think? Looks like a gadget in a science fiction movie. Of course it did, Eddie realized. Susanna had probably seen a home security system or two in her time. She had, after all, lived among the Manhattan rich. But there was a world of difference between the electronics gear available to her when, 1963, and his own, which was 1987. We've never talked much about the differences either, he thought. I wonder what she'd think if I told her Ronald Reagan was president of the United States when Roland snatched me. Probably thought I was crazy. Probably. To which his first instinct is, let's push the button. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe Blaine is dead. There was there was no crackle of electri- electricity, no deadly blue fire went racing up his arm, no sign that things was even still connected. Maybe Blaine's dead. Maybe he's dead after all. But he didn't really believe that. Don't do it. You shouldn't believe that. Cause, mm. uh, hello, he said. And his mind's eye saw the unfortunate Ardress screaming as he was microwaved that blue fire. That's wonderful, wonderful. Hello, Blaine. Anybody? He let go of the button and waited, stiff with tension. Susanna's hand crept into his, cold and small. There was still no answer, and Eddie now, reluctant, more reluctant than ever, pushed the button again. Blaine! (laughs) He let go of the button, waited, and there was still no answer. And this Eddie, Eddie, buddy, old friend, old pal. So when you start, you go a little crazy here. You get a little bit crazy. He jammed the button in with his thumb and began to bellow into the speaker, adopting a plummy and completely bogus British accent. Hello, Blaine. Cheerio, old fella. This is Robin Leach, host of Lifestyles of the Rich and Blameless, here to tell you that you've won six billion dollars in a new Ford Escort and the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes. But, oh, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. To which she's, he's officially scaring Susanna. She's like, Eddie, stop it. Stop it. And he continued. And let's see, you and your memorial girlfriend Patricia will spend a luxurious Month uh, in scenic gym town where you'll drink only the finest wine and eat only the finest virgins. You. Shh. Eddie broke off, looking at Susanna. He was at once sure that it had been she who had shushed him, not only because she had already tried, but because she was the only other person there. And yet. At the same time, he knew it hadn't been Susanna. That had been another voice. The voice of a very young and very frightened child. Suze, did you? Susanna was shaking her head and raising her hands at the same time. She pointed at the intercom box. And Eddie saw the button marked. Command was glowing a very faint shell pink. It was the same color as the mono sleeping at the berth of the other side of the barrier. Shh. Don't wake him, the child's voice murmured. It drifted from the speaker, soft as an evening breeze. What? Eddie began, then shook his head, reached towards the talk listen switch, and pressed it gently. When he spoke again, it was not in the blaring Robin Leach bellow, but an almost whisper of cons- 
conspirator? Uh, what are you? Who are you? He released the button and saw Suzanne regarding each other with the big eyes of a children child who now know they are sharing the house with a dangerous, perhaps psychopathic, no, psychotic adult. Wow, you went the either way, there. Either way, psychotic adult. How have they come by the knowledge? Why? Because other children have told them a child who has lived with the psychotic adult for a long time, hiding in the corners and stealing out only when it knows the adult is asleep. A frightened child who happened to be almost invisible. There was no answer. Jake let the second... Eddie. Oh, yep. I don't know where I read Jake from. <laughs> Eddie let the second spin out. Each one seemed longer, uh, long enough to read a whole novel in. He was reaching for the button again when the faint pink glow reappeared. I'm Little Plane, the voice whispered. The one he doesn't see. The one he forgotten. The one he thinks is left behind in the rooms of ruin and the halls of the dead. Eddie pushed the button again. And with his hand that had picked up an uncontrollable shake, he could hear that shake in his voice as well. Who? Who is the one who doesn't see? Is it the bear? No, not the bear. Not... He, Shardik, lay dead in the forest, many miles behind them. He passed the bear. He realized now, all part of this awful decaying hole, a tattered web with the dark tower at the center of all an incomprehensible. There we go. In, I can sure it. I'm done. Stolen spider. All oh, uh, uh, mansion. All the strange. Oh, okay, sure, sure. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I've read enough. Sure, sure. Read whatever you want. I can't do it anymore. Uh, all of Midworld had become one vast haunted mansion in these strange latter days. All of Midworld had become the drawers. All of the Midworld had become a wasteland, haunting and haunted. He saw Susanna's lips form the words of the real answer before the voice from the intercom could speak them. Big Blaine, the unseen voice whispered. Big Blaine is the ghost in the machine. The ghost in all the machines. Susanna's hand had gone to her throat and was clutching it as if she intended to strangle herself. Her eyes were full of terror, but they were not glassy, not stunned. They were sharp with understanding. Perhaps she knew a voice like this one from her own. When the wind where the integrated hole that was Susanna had been shunted aside by the warring personalities of Detta and Odetta, the childish voice had surprised her as well as him, but her agonized eyes said she was no stranger to the concept being expressed. Eddie, we have to go. Eddie, we have to get away, Eddie. We have to get away, Eddie. Too late, the tiny morning voice said. He's awake. Big Blaine is awake. He knows you are here. And he's coming. Suddenly lights, bright orange arc sodiums began to flash on in pairs above them, bathing the pillared vastness of the cradle in a harsh glare that banished all shadows. Wait, Eddie shouted. Please wait. In his agitation, he forgot to push the button, but it made no difference. Little Blaine responded anyway. No, I can't let him catch me. I can't let it kill me, too. Two. Yeah. <laughs> The light on the intercom box went dark again, but only for a moment. This time, 
both command and enter lit up, and their color was not pink, but the lurid dark red of a blacksmith's forge. Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> this is no longer good at all. The rotting bodies hanging from the pole shivered with the vibrations of that mighty voice. It seemed that even the dead would run from Blaine if they could. It's a good sign! It's He's doing great! That's probably for the best. How dare you disturb my sleep! Tell me now or die where you stand! He might have frozen right there, leaving Blaine, big Blaine, to do them whatever it was he had done to artists. Perhaps should have frozen, locked in that down-the-rabbit-hole fairy tale terror. It was the memory of the small voice which had spoken first that enabled him to move. It had been the voice of a terrified child, but it had tried to help them, terrified or not. So now you have to help yourself, he thought. You woke it up. Deal with it. Eddie reached out and pushed the button again. My name is Eddie Dean. The woman with me is my wife, Susanna. We're... He looked at Susanna, who nodded and made frantic motions for him to go on. We're on a quest. We seek the dark tower, which lies in the path of the beam. We're in the company of two others, Roland of Gilead and Jake of New York. We're from New York, too, if you're... He paused for a moment, biting back the words, Big Blaine. If he used them, he might make the intelligence behind the voice aware that they had heard another voice. A ghost inside the ghost, so to speak. If you're Blaine the Mono, well, we want you to take us. He released the button. There was no response for what seemed like a very long time, only the agitated flutter of the disturbed pigeons. When Blaine spoke again, his voice came only from the speaker box mounted on the gate and sounded almost human. Do not try my patience. All the doors to that were closed. Gilead is no more, and those known as gunslingers are all dead. Now answer my question. Who are you? This is your last chance. There was a sizzling sound. Ah, <laughs> uh, Blaine, oh good old buddy, old friend, old pal, doesn't believe you. <laughs> a ray of brilliant blue-white light lanced down from the ceiling and seared a hole the size of a golf ball in the marble floor less than five feet to the left of Susanna's wheelchair. Smoke that smelled like the aftermath of a lightning bolt rose lazily from it. Susanna and Eddie stared at each other in mute terror for a moment, and then Eddie lunged from the communicator box and thumbed the button. You're wrong. We did come from New York. We came through, wow, New York. We came through the doors on the beach only a few weeks ago. It's true, Susanna called. I swear it is. Silence. Beyond the long barrier, Blaine's pink back humped smoothly. The window at the front seemed to regard them like a vapid glass eye. The wiper could have been a lid half-closed in a sly wink. Prove it, Blaine said at last. Christ, how do I do that? Eddie asked Susanna. I don't know. Eddie pushed the button again. The Statue of Liberty! <laughs> Does that ring a bell? Go on, Blaine said. The Empire State Building, the Stock Exchange, the World Trade Center, Coney Island, Red Hots, Radio City Music Hall, the Eastville... Blaine cut him off, and now, incredibly, the voice came from the speaker was the drawling voice of John Way. Okay, Pilgrim, I believe you. Mm hmm. Eddie and Susanna shared another glance, this one of confusion and relief. 
But when Blaine spoke again, the voice was again cold and emotionless. Ask me a question, Eddie Dean of New York, and it better be a good one. There was a pause, and then Blaine added, Because if it's not, you and your woman are going to die, no matter where you came from. Susanna looked from the box on the gate to Eddie. What's it talking about, she hissed. Eddie shook his head. I don't have the slightest idea. And what a place to end off right there. Ask. Ask me a question. question. And if it ain't the right one, peace out. You're dead. But but Charlie. Charlie said don't ask me silly questions. <laughs> he doesn't want silly questions. Blaine wants questions. He wants real questions. Alrighty then. What well, is the end of the second part of the fifth chapter? Next time we'll be finishing up the fifth chapter, going all the way to Riddle and Wasteland. Yay! Which so much excitement! That's a fantastic. So much excitement! What a great, what a great chapter that is. The whole end of this book is just fantastic. Ugh. Look, we're almost there. We're almost there, guys. That took some time. It took some time. It's going to be a little shorter than the last one, but it still took some time. These are huge chunks. Yeah. Oh! On your back note, you guys. What is with you? What is you? You're not allowed paper ones anymore, okay? It took you this long to print it out, and you're no longer allowed. (sighs) It's so much fun, though. Makes such fun noises. That doesn't work. Only real paper makes the right noise. It still doesn't work. Real paper. Real paper. See, I can make those noises too. I'm sure they like it. This is what? ASMR or whatever it's called? <laughs> they love it. They love it. Probably not. They're probably annoyed by it. <laughs> Anyways, hope you enjoyed that chapter or that part of that chapter. Uh, we're loving the book. And it's going to only get better, I think, here towards the end, which is going to be awesome. Um... Leave a comment down below. Let us know what you thought of it. Throw a like on the video if you like the video at all. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't. If you just kind of stumbled across and for some reason you listened to both the way <laughs> to the third book, good for you. Maybe go back and hit the other ones up or read the book. That'd be awesome too. Anything else? You have any anything you want to throw out there? I don't think so. Well, as always, you can reach me at Stars Untraveled, reach Amanda at KZ Pup, reach the show at Beyond Our Focus, practically anywhere, including YouTube and podcast services around the globe. Maybe. Maybe. Ah, uh, Well, any final thoughts before we end out? I don't believe so. Alrighty. Till next time, long days and pleasant nights.